You're listening to the Fortress Church Audio Podcast. We're a church all about loving God and loving people. Let's listen in to our lead pastor, Randy Garcia, from this past Sunday's message. So open up your Bibles and tune in. I'm excited because this past week we got an opportunity to have week two of our 2018 spiritual emphasis. We took some time to seek God and pray, and we had a great time in our prayer time here this past week. Uh, Last week we handed out Filled with God's Spirit, which is week two devotions. If you didn't get a copy of it, you can get a copy of these five devotions right over there at the Connection Hub. Five devotions that led us through five days, but it, you don't, even if you missed it last week, you can do it this week and kind of walk through what does it mean to be filled with God's Spirit. So we're talking about that and love for you to join in with us with that really at any time. And I'm just uh, excited about what God is doing. Now in Galatians chapter 5, Paul uses a terminology led by the Spirit. He also uses a terminology walked by the Spirit. And so there is a number of great lessons we can learn about this topic. Today we want to talk about spirit-led disciple. If we are truly disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ, we want to be spirit-led. So let's read from verse 16 of Galatians 5. But I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Father, thank you for the privilege we have to be right here in your presence. As we come into your presence for the teaching of your word, we pray, Lord, that you, that you, Holy Spirit, would be our teacher, that you would enlighten our minds and our hearts in all that we do. We give you the glory and praise in everything we do, and Lord, may you be glorified. Lord, challenge us not just to be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Amen. You may be seated. What does it mean to be led by the Spirit? A young man had just completed his college education, and he wanted to launch his career. He was offered a great job with great pay in the field of work that he loved. And it was pretty much a no-brainer for him to accept the job. Now, he wasn't just any believer. He purposed in his mind and his heart to be a spirit-filled believer. And as he was praying about this offer, this is literally what happened, he felt the Holy Spirit was telling him, don't accept this job offer. And he didn't understand why. Once again, he had just graduated from college, 
had some college tuition debt. He got an offer in a, in a field that he wants, pay that he likes and loves, hours that he wants. I mean, it was perfect. But for some reason, the Holy Spirit was telling him, turn down the job. So he obeyed the voice of the Holy Spirit. And here's the rest of the story. That happened in May. And in September, it happened to roll around 9-11. And it just turned out that four months later, we had the 9-11 experience in our nation. And if he had accepted that job, he would have been in one of the Twin Towers that day. But he was led by the Spirit to turn down that offer. How can you and I effectively be led by the Spirit? That the choices we make, the decisions we, we, we make, the, the, the directions we turn, and the things that we do would be led by the Spirit. Wouldn't it be great to know that God kind of not only has our back, but is leading the way ahead of us? We're talking today about being led by the Spirit. We've been talking about being filled with the Spirit, and praise God that so many of us have been filled with the Spirit of God. But now as we close out this series, what, what I want to challenge you today is now that we're filled with God's Spirit, how do we live? How can we live it out? How can we live it out? And some people make this comment and you know that, that being uh, led by the Holy Spirit is, is emotions and and in a way, that's true, and in a way, it's not. Now, God gave us our emotions, amen? But I'm, I'm talking today more about how, how can we walk the walk? And today, we're talking about spirit-filled disciple. One of the, one of the uh, core scriptures we've been using is Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 18. And Paul says this, Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity. I want to stop right there. If we are led by the Spirit, we will make the most of every opportunity. What? Opportunities to show people love. Opportunities to minister to people. Opportunities to pray with people. And then it says, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Have you ever asked God, God, what is your will for my life? I think we've all asked that question at one time or another. Well, here it gives us the answer. Understand what the Lord's will is. What is it? Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Wow, that's God's will? Yep, that's God's will. For you and I to be filled with the Spirit. What is it talking about here? It really means to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. I mentioned a couple weeks ago, uh, there's times that People get drunk, and they're under the influence of the alcohol. And the alcohol determines what they say, how their speech is slurred, or how they walk. They can't even walk a straight line when they're under the influence. Well, can we look at the flip coin of that and say, you know what? If I'm under the influence of the Holy Spirit, what I say is directed by the Holy Spirit, even if it's in tongues, right? The way I walk, the way I live is under the influence of the Holy Spirit. So Paul gives us a number of lessons in Galatians 5 about how we live or are led by the Spirit. Number one, lesson number one is this. The Spirit leads you to love people. Verse 13 here in Galatians 5, this is the lesson that Paul teaches us. 
And if, we're in Galatians 5, once again, verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers. I am free. Anybody free? <laughs> Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So what is Paul saying? Hey, the Spirit leads you to love people. The Spirit leads you to love people. A while back, somebody had visited Fortress Church, and, and, and I was talking to them, and they said, well, uh, you know, Pastor Andy, uh, you know, no, no offense to you, but we're not going to continue. Said, oh, that's fine. You find a church. He says, we love the way you love people. We love the way you love people. And you, Fortress is all about loving people. We love it. He says, but we, we really don't really care about the Holy Spirit stuff. <laughs> And so we're going to look for another church. And, and, and you know what the Bible says right here? The two are interchangeable. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to love people, okay? They, they just flow together, okay? You can't separate the two. This is what Paul is saying here. Lesson number one, the Spirit leads you to love people. Heard a story happening back in 1987. A man took his 22-year-old daughter to a parade in a town in Northern Ireland. As the father and daughter stood beside a brick wall waiting for the parade to march in front of them, a terrorist bomb exploded behind them, instantly killing several people, and the building behind them were, was, uh, had collapsed, and both of them found themselves under a pile of bricks. And for a while, dad couldn't move, but he finally got out. But before he got out, his daughter couldn't. But he reached over, and they joined hands together, even though she couldn't get out from under the bricks. And Dad heard his daughter say these words, Daddy, I love you very much. Unfortunately, those were the last words that Dad heard from his daughter. She ended up dying from the injuries that she sustained in the bombing. When a reporter asked the man how he felt towards the people, the terrorists, who had uh, uh, done this and literally ended up to kill his daughter, he said this, bitter talk is not going to bring my daughter back to life. I forgive them. I pray that they will one day ask God to forgive them as well. My daughter's last words were, Daddy, I love you very much. Her last words were words of love. Now I want to love others the way my daughter loved. You see, that's an important lesson. Why? Because it would have been easy for this daddy to build a grudge against those responsible for his daughter's death. But if he did that, he would be drawn into the trap of unforgiveness, which is a stronghold, a spiritual pit. But you know what set him free? From that pit of unforgiveness that he could have easily fallen into the trap of? Love. When he realized that he needed to spread that love that he got from his daughter to other people, and forgive, it freed him. You know what loving people does? It frees you. Whenever someone does you wrong and they say something against you or do something to you, our reaction is we get angry, we get mad, and we, we don't realize it, but so many of us fall into this, this, this stronghold of wanting to retaliate. And how I many know we need to be free of that? God wants to free of that, free us of that. And the Spirit frees us when we love people. That's what happens. A lady came up to me for prayer. I remember this happened a few years ago. 
And I asked the question, how can I pray for you? And she says, well, pray for my marriage. I, I don't know why it is falling apart. Now, immediately I went into this, okay, I want to be a, an instant counselor. That was my natural response. But as I started, I said, Lord, Holy Spirit, would you speak to me? Well, you know what happened is the Spirit spoke to me and said, no, don't, don't do any counsel. Just pray the Holy Spirit's covering over her. So I did that. And I said, you know, I don't need to know any details, but God knows. And as I was praying, the Holy Spirit covered her and it literally changed her countenance. In the midst of all the junk that she was facing in life, what she needed then and there was the protection and the covering of the Holy Spirit. So I love that. We can love people. A great way to love people is telling them about Jesus, being witnesses for the cause of Jesus Christ. In fact, there's a correlation between the Holy Spirit and being witnesses uh, for the Lord as well. It's found in Acts 1.8 where Scripture says this. This is Jesus speaking right before he ascended back into heaven. He says, but you will receive power when, when the Holy Spirit has come on you. So how do we receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on us? And what is the result of that? You will be my witnesses, right? In Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Reminds me of a story, a story of Maddie. She had recently begun working out at a gym. And she was uh, be, just beginning to learn how to do a good workout, get into a good workout routine. Now, Maddie was a seasoned believer. She loved Jesus, and she was constantly praying to be led by the Spirit. Well, one day, the Holy Spirit moved Maddie to reach out to a fitness instructor there at the gym. Maddie thought, oh, no, Lord, not her. It's clear that she lives in a different world. And, and by the way, she won't listen to me because I'm really out of shape. <laughs> That's what she thought. Well, being led by the Holy Spirit, Maddie struck up a conversation with this fitness instructor, and subsequently over the next month, they had met up about three times. Maddie, first of all, connected with her as a friend, come to find out that even though on the outside, this fitness instructor, things seemed to be going real good, and oh yeah, life is good, but on the the inside, her, her world was crumbling away. She had just recently had a falling out with her mom when she was crushed by it. It seemed that none of her relationships with guys were working out. She was extremely lonely and facing dealing with rejection. After a few meetings, Maddie began to share her faith in the Lord God Almighty. Soon afterwards, this fitness instructor gave her heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. She was baptized in water, and now Maddie is discipling her. Wow. All this happened because Maddie was, was being led by the Holy Spirit. Do you imagine what you and I could do for the kingdom of God if we are led by the Holy Spirit? See, this fitness instructor, all she needed was God's love. And how was she to receive the love of God? Through this stranger named Maddie. You can be that instrument of God's love to other people. The Spirit leads you to love people. Number two. Let's get back to Galatians 5. The second lesson we learn is this. The Spirit leads you to victory over the flesh. Victory over the flesh. Now, what is the flesh? Well, all, this, all the temptations and the things that bring us down, that we, uh, the wrong things we do, sin. Let's read what Paul says, beginning with verse 16 of Galatians 5. But I say, walk by the Spirit, 
and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. There's a battle going on to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of rage, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warned you as I warned you before that those who do those things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, is this saying that we go into the kingdom of God We go to heaven based on our works, what we do. It's not what it's saying. What it's saying is you need to be transformed from the inside and it will show forth on the outside. That's what he's saying. If you are truly born again, if you are truly led by the Spirit, you're not going to go down that road of all this list of acts of the flesh. You understand what we're saying here, okay? If, because here's what I'm talking about. There's, There's a lot of people in this world who repeat a prayer. And there's nothing wrong with repeating a prayer. Lord Jesus, would you forgive me of my sins? Amen. Would you come into my heart? Amen. I want you to be the Lord and Savior of my heart. Amen. That's great. But unfortunately, some people really, really mean that prayer. And others, it's just lip service. You know what I'm talking about? Because if their life is not changed, then all it was was lip service. See, What the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life is to transform you. That you would be a a totally different person than you were before. And right here, Paul is saying, wait a minute, here's how we can gauge if your life has been truly transformed. You need to, as Paul says here, put to death the flesh. In fact, later on, he says, crucify. You need to crucify the flesh. That's what he says in verse 24 later on. My friend, that's what you and I need to do. Crucify the flesh. Crucify our sinful desires. That's one of the reasons I love water baptisms. See, water baptism, I love the symbol of of it because when you go down under the water, you are immersing yourself. What's the symbolism behind that? You're putting to death the old way of living. No more sin. You know, and then when you come up out of the water, it's a symbol that you have new life in Jesus Christ. The problem is some people, they don't put to death their flesh. They don't crucify the flesh. They hang on to the things of this world. So they go on living with all this junk of their past. Are they really walking with the Lord when you, uh, when you have all the junk of your past? No, that's not walking with the Lord. You need to put to death, or as Paul says in verse 23, or 25 rather, crucify the flesh. You need to crucify it. And so, by the way, if if you've given your heart to Jesus Christ, you're a believer, and you have not been baptized in water, my friend, I encourage you, take that next step. Get rid of the past and start new and fresh in Christ Jesus. Amen? By the way, we're doing a baptisms in two weeks. Okay. <laughs> Does anybody here want all things new? Old things are passed away. All things are new. Amen. You and I have choices to make. 
You have choices to make. You probably heard me say this before, but I'm going to say it again. There's a battle. Paul is speaking about a battle between the flesh and the spirit. The flesh is your temptations. All of us are tempted in some way. Maybe the way you're tempted is a different way that I'm tempted, but we're human. Jesus was even tempted, but he overcame the temptations of the flesh. And so can you. But you have to make the right choices. The flesh is pulling you in one direction. The spirit is pulling you in another direction. And you've got a choice to make. Am I going to go this way towards my flesh? Am I going to go this way towards the spirit? You've got a choice to make. Paul is talking about that. There's a battle going on. You talk about spiritual warfare. This is the number one primary place that spiritual warfare takes place. It is in your mind and in your heart because you've got to make a decision. Am I going to follow the flesh or am I going to follow the spirit? And one of the things I've taught you before, and I'll say it again, whatever you feed will grow. Whatever you starve will die. If you feed your flesh, what do we mean by feeding your flesh? Okay, one more sin won't, won't have. Oh, getting drunk one more time is not going to hurt. You're feeding the flesh every time you do that. And the more you feed the flesh, the more your fleshly sinful desires are going to grow and grow and grow. But if you feed the spirit, and you know what? I'm going to do what's right in God's, God's eyes. I'm going to follow Jesus. You know what? I, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to get into the word. I'm going to pray. What you're doing is you're feeding your spirit. Guess what happens? That's going to grow. And guess what happens to your flesh? If your spirit is growing, your flesh is starving. It's a good thing. Okay? But if you feed the flesh and give in to temptations, what happens? You're feeding the flesh and your spirit is starving. I'm saying you've got a choice to make. Every day we make choices in life. And I want to encourage you make the right choices in life. Here's a to another level lesson. Being led by the Spirit always takes you to the place of being an overcomer. Does anybody want to be an overcomer? Amen. We can overcome the flesh. We can overcome the flesh. The Holy Spirit always has a better plan. Our digging deeper notes this week is simply this. The Holy Spirit, our teacher, We read in a number of different scriptures that the Holy Spirit teaches us what we need to to know. And there's some notes right back over there at the Connection Hub if you're interested in that. All right, number three. The Spirit leads you to live with spiritual fruit. The Spirit leads you to live with spiritual fruit. So now we continue in Galatians 5 as we go to verse 22. After Paul lists the acts of the flesh... He turns it around and says, you can overcome all this if you live by the Spirit, if you are led by the Spirit. You can overcome all this list of sins, and here's the way you're going to live if you live by the Spirit. He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Hmm. So right here, once again, in chapter 5 of Galatians, Paul uses a terminology, we need to be led by the Spirit. Other times he says you need to walk in the Spirit. Pretty much the same thing. Pretty much the same thing. Sometimes I feel bad for my my two boys, uh, Pastor Matt and, and, and Randy Sean, because... Because there are times that 
that people notice that they're my son. And sometimes they'll say, well, how do you know? Well, sometimes people say, well, you walk just like your dad, okay? <laughs> now, I don't, know, I don't know how I walk. I don't know if it, you know, people say I walk, I walk like my dad when my dad was alive. I, I don't know about that. But that's what people tell me. I, yeah, you, you walk like your dad, Pastor Randy. Okay. You know, and I thought about that. I said, you know, wouldn't it be great if somebody were to walk up to you and say, hey, uh, are you a believer? Are you a spirit-filled believer? Oh, well, yeah, I am. How would you know? Well, because you walk just like your heavenly father. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be great for somebody to say that? And notice that in you. Well, you, you're walking by the spirit. You walk just like your heavenly father. Well, how do you know? Well, it's called love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and self-control. This is the fruit of the Spirit. Now, I want you to take a note of this as we look, walk, just take a minute through, through the fruit of the Spirit. That the Bible does not say here in Galatians 5.22, but the fruits of the Spirit are. It says the fruit of the Spirit is. Do you notice it's singular? Wait a minute, that doesn't make sense because there are nine fruit listed here. No, it's actually one fruit, but there's nine attributes of that fruit. I want you to understand what the, what the Bible is teaching us here. But the fruit, singular, of the Spirit is, singular, love, joy, peace, and so on. Now, there's nine things listed. Why does the Bible state it in that fashion? Well, and here's why. Because if you are led by the Spirit, because of the fruit of what? The Spirit. If the Spirit of God is in you, this is how you're going to live. See, some people have this mentality, well, okay, love, joy, peace, patience, kind of stuff. Self-control, okay, I'm, I'm not good at that, you know. Gentleness, I'm really not good. But Pastor Randy, I, I'm good at seven out of those nine. Is that pretty good? That's a pretty good percentage, right? Uh, no. Okay. No, 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 no. I'm sorry, seven out of nine. You either have it or you don't have it, okay? It's all or nothing. And if you don't have self-control, I'm sorry, the Spirit of God is not in you. It's like if I were to say, okay, uh, there are certain body parts that I would absolutely need in order to function as a human being. I need a heart. I need a kidney. I need a liver. I need lungs. I need a brain, and if any of those five things are not in my physical body, I'm going to die, okay? I need those. I'm not going to say, God, I'm doing pretty good. I'm four out of those five. I just don't have a brain, but okay. <laughs> I'm not going to live. I need all five of those. You know what I'm talking about? If one of those five is not in my body, I'm going to die. It's all or nothing. It's not, well, 80% is pretty good. No, no, I'm sorry. The fruit of the Spirit is. The fruit of the Spirit is. If the Spirit of God is in you, you're going to have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And it's correlated to the, to, to the Holy Spirit. When we talk about love, well, we just talked about that. You, there's a beautiful correlation between the Spirit-filled life and love. There's a correlation between the Spirit-filled life and joy. King David in Psalm 51 says, Restore to me, Lord, the joy of your salvation. Do not cast your Holy Spirit from me. There it is. There's a correlation between joy and the Holy Spirit. If your Holy Spirit is in you, that's a fruit of that. That's a, a characteristic that the Holy Spirit is in you. You're going to have the joy of the Lord. 
You're going to have the peace of God. See, some people in the midst of challenges of life, they resort to worry. Worry is the opposite of peace. When trouble comes your way, are you going to resort to worry or are you going to have the peace of God? If the Holy Spirit is in you, you're going to have the peace of God. And we can go on with all these others. I wish we had time to go through each of these nine different characteristics of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You know, gentleness, goodness. How about goodness? You know, so many people in this world are just mean. Have you ever noticed that? There's some people who are, you know, over recent, recent years, the, the anti-bullying has come up, and that's good because bullying should not be around. But there's a lot of people in this world that are just plain mean. They'll say things, they'll do things just, just to be mean. That's the opposite of the fruit of the Spirit, the characteristic called goodness. How about self-control? Ever ran into somebody who uses profanity? They can't control their mouth. Self-control, they, uh, they get into, involved in sexual immorality, can't control their, uh, their sexual activity. Well, that means the Holy Spirit is not in them. It, it's just very plain. But the fruit of the Spirit is you're going to have self-control. Billy Graham said this, The Holy Spirit gives liberty to the Christian, direction to the worker, discernment to the teacher, power to the word, and fruit to faithful service. He reveals the things of Christ. Oh, I love that. I love that. Now, the Holy Spirit does work on our prayer life. And um, as we're praying, I mean, as we're worshiping here, getting to the teaching, there's somebody praying every week. We have somebody in the war room right back over there in the back of the sanctuary. By the way, if you want to participate and, and do this once every couple of months, you let us know. But there's somebody praying for you that you would receive the word of God, praying for me as I speak the word of God, praying for altar time that's coming up, praying during worship. Last week, uh, I hope you don't mind, Lucy, and she was in the, in the war room over there. And so during the week, she emailed me, Pastor Randy, as I was in the war room as you were preaching, and she, she said, this is, this is what the Lord showed me. So I'm going to just give you a little, a portion of that and how the, she, her spirit-led prayer was praying as we were worshiping here. She says, take us closer, Lord, than we have ever been. Let us feel your presence like never before. Show us how to be servants of the Most High in a world filled with self-love and self-promotion. And let us be content in serving you, whether we're the leader in the pulpit or just a servant at the doorposts of thy temple. Let us be sensitive to those who are lost, broken, and hurting among us, and do what you call us to do. Let us be life speakers and heart menders for you and your glory. I like that. Anybody want to be a life speaker? Speak life and a heart mender. Take over our services and wreck us for you. (laughs) Kind of like that, right? Overwhelm our souls with deep love for you as you love us. Amen. Amen. And see, that's what I'm talking about. When we're led by the Spirit, it changes the way we live, changes our actions, our thoughts, and even our prayer life. Amen. Now, I'm going to close with this, with this little story that helps us kind of uh, put things in perspective as we close out this series. Because the Word of God is very clear that the Holy Spirit gives us power. Somebody say power. power. Now, back in the, in the 70s, I was ready to learn how to drive a car. So I learned how to drive a car in my parents' Oldsmobile that did not have power steering. Anybody have experienced driving a car without power steering, okay? 
and I started to, to, to drive, and, and it was a task. Some of you young people don't even realize that there used to be cars without power steering. It was a task. Now, here's the good news. That old Oldsmobile that I was driving would take me from one place to another place. I would always reach my destination, but the journey was a task. You know what I'm talking about? Getting there was a pain sometimes, but I, it would take me to my destination. But then back in 77, I got my first car that I could call my own. It was a Chevy Camaro, and it had power steering and air conditioning. Amen. Praise God. And, oh, it made a world of difference. You see, would I still make it to my destination? Yes, but, you know, the journey was a whole lot better when I, in my 77 Chevy Camaro. It was a whole lot better. And... Now, I kind of liken that to our spiritual life. Power steering is a, is a symbol of the Holy Spirit, so to speak. There's some people in this world that have accepted Jesus Christ. They're going to heaven. Jesus is their Lord and Savior. But it's like they're driving their spiritual life without the Holy Spirit. It's without power steering. Are they going to get to their destination? Yeah. Destination heaven. Are they going to get there? Yeah, but the journey's a whole lot more painful and it's a whole lot more troublesome because they don't have the power of the Holy Spirit leading and guiding them. My friend, you, you can live without the Holy Spirit. Yeah, you can. For those of you who accepted Jesus Christ, you're going to heaven, you're going to make it to heaven. You're going to make it to your destination. But I want to encourage you, live under the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And it's going to make your journey a whole lot better. A whole lot better. Anybody ready to be filled with the Spirit? Amen? Would you stand with me right now? Thank you, Jesus. Would you begin to speak to us? In just a few moments, we're going to come to these altars, and I want to post five prayer points. Actually, uh, Lucy, I'm going to use five of the prayer points that you listed last week. I loved them. So this is part of our prayer points. Number one, Lord, let those who desire to speak and pray in tongues, speak in tongues. Lord, give us divine revelations. Lord, give us a boldness to be your witnesses. Lord, give us an overcoming spirit. Lord, open up the fountains and floodgates over Fortress Church. Amen. Are we in agreement about that? Now for a moment, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your head. First and foremost, I ask you the very important question is Jesus Christ Lord of your life now just a couple of hours ago in our 915 service I, I had the privilege of here at the altar praying over over one gentleman who gave his heart to Jesus Christ and I love it every time I have the opportunity to do so and maybe today as you stand here in God's house, you're ready to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Or maybe you need to rededicate your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you need to make sure that if your life were to end today, that you would go to heaven. If that's you, would you be honest enough to raise your hand and say, Pastor, I want to live for Jesus. I want to live the rest of my life to serve him. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Because once again, that's one of the greatest decisions. It is the best decision you could ever make. Amen. Amen. Anyone else? I want to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Others of you, you've been living for Jesus. You love the Lord. 
but it's almost like you're living without power. Well, what's missing is the Holy Spirit. It's time for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's time for you to allow the Holy Spirit to rule and reign supreme in your life. If that's you, maybe you're going through a difficult situation and you're finding yourself with struggle after struggle. I want to encourage you right now and say, you know what? This is what I need. I want to surrender my life to the Lord. I want the Holy Spirit to take full control of my life. If that's you, if you want the power of the Spirit, would you just lift up your hand right now? Because we want to pray with you. We want to, amen, amen. We're going to pray in just a minute. Now, for some of you, you've already surrendered your life to Jesus. You've given him your heart, but you've not been baptized in water. And the reason I want to bring this up is because some of you are still holding on to things of the past. You haven't crucified the flesh, as Paul says, and we read in Galatians 5. You've not crucified the flesh of things of your past, and you're dragging along because of things in your past. You've accepted Jesus. You love the Lord, but you've not been baptized in water as an adult. Is the Lord speaking to you? Just raise your hand and say, that's my next step. I want to be baptized in water. Amen. Amen. I want to be baptized in water. Amen. You can put your hands down. Thank you so much. Well, we're going to spend some time in prayer. I don't want you to leave this place without you connecting with God and connecting with God's people. We want to pray with you. We're going to open up these altars. There are prayer partners to my right and to my left. We would love the privilege of praying with you, praying over you, and believing with you. Others of you, if you want to get alone with God, there's some altar space here in the front. But for the next few minutes, we're going to call on God. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to be upon us, to lead us, and to guide us. And I believe that God will indeed lead us to be Spirit-led disciples. I invite you to come. I invite you to find a place of prayer. Let's take some time to seek the Lord. Would you join us?